The Big Sip. Hey everyone, this is Gabriela here with you, the host of The Big Sip. I am so excited because today we have someone very, very special, someone who I didn't get to connect with originally when I planned, but hey, that's the way sometimes how things go, but super stoked that she was able to make it into the studio. Uh, she is a badass CEO of a winery right here who is actually taking a more inclusive approach to the Napa Valley wine experience. She has allowed Vietnamese wine to end enter the market here and uh, she's the person pioneering everything and so we're going to get into a very wineful and mindful conversation about why she's really leading this charge towards uh, amplifying diversity and making sure that there's a, a larger narrative in place in Napa Valley so it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to my Lynn fan Hello. What Hello. an introduction. <laughs> Everyone always says that. Oh my God. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm so stoked that you're here. I'm happy to be here. It literally is such an honor when I originally got an invitation to go check out the tasting room with your grand opening, although you have been open technically since 2020. Um, obviously, COVID kind of changed a couple of plans for people, so, so you never got the grand opening nope. you guys wanted in 2020, but you did have a chance to go ahead and open your doors at just a couple of weeks ago. And so I was really bummed that I couldn't attend that. Uh, but that's why I'm super stoked that, that you're here now. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry you couldn't attend it either. Uh, <laughs> it was a great time. I think we saw a lot of different people that showed up, like all different age groups. And we're talking about diversity. A lot of diversity showed up. So that was really exciting and really rewarding. That's awesome. I love that. And this is a Vietnamese owned woman run winery. And when it says all over your webpage, taking a different approach to the Napa Valley wine experience, what does that mean? I think that a lot of times when people think about wine and they think about Napa, they have a preconceived notion about what that needs to look like mm. or maybe sound like or be priced at. Mm. And we're trying to kind of change that narrative. We're pricing our wines in more affordable price points so that hopefully more people who are either interested in drinking wine can come and try wine or if they've been scared about going wine tasting, like they can come to our tasting room, ask any question that they have and feel comfortable being there. I love that. And we need more of that. You know, the, the table's been small for a really long time and it's been exclusive. And hey, if uh, someone else isn't making more space and we're building our own table, we're making sure that we're bringing in people with us. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Did you experience something in the industry that really led you to focus on wanting to create this space for so many people or what really drove this mindset and mentality of inclusivity? I mixed my dad's Vietnamese, my mom's white. And with being mixed, there's kind of an outsider perspective there mm. a lot. You're never quite Vietnamese enough and you're, and you're never white enough. Right. And so you kind of have to navigate what that's like. And then being in Napa, we've always been kind of the outsider, like we're located at the very beginning, what we're calling the gateway to Napa. <laughs> um, and like we don't have vineyards and people don't associate being Vietnamese with making wine, right? There's no history there. And so a lot of it is trying to create a space that we can be comfortable in or that I can be comfortable in and mm -hmm. others can join me in that space. I love that. So talk to me a little bit about then the journey into really bringing RD Winery to fruition, which if for those of you who have no idea, maybe we can start, you know, exactly where it's located and how you all even got into that space. Yeah. So we're at the corner of Highway 29 and Highway 12, the gateway to Napa, <laughs> the very beginning. Um, we started with just producing wine and exporting to Vietnam in 2012. 
And then in 2018, made the decision that, hey, we should try to sell wine in the United States. And so then that started um, kind of down this path. And, and my goal was to create a tasting room and a brand that was reflective of our Vietnamese heritage. We're the Love first that. Vietnamese-owned winery. And so how can we be authentic to that instead of pretending that we're another European winery? Mm. Which is fine. Like, that's cool. But it's just not true to who we are. Right. So then we opened in July and kind of launched everything then. Yeah. And it's a very interesting year for many, many reasons. Yeah. What kind of challenges has that brought about, especially you being CEO and navigating this baby of yours? What, what has that journey been like? Uh, I, I like to joke and say that we picked the best time to open our tasting room <laughs> and also to launch two brands. We make Fifth Moon and Hundred Knot. Fifth Moon's designed to pair well with fresh and spicy food and Hundred Knot is more Napa and Sonoma classics. But opening in July and then having all of those fires as well, where it was oh. like, you can't be inside because of a pandemic, but you can't be outside because there's smoke and you can't breathe. So it's just like, okay, yeah, what do I do? Let me just cool. lie here in <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, what can you do though, right? If you get a bunch of challenges, you try to find a solution or you just roll with it. And that's what we did. We've just been rolling with it and seeing what we can grow and then these steps we make, like we celebrate all of those. So the grand opening is like amazing, right? We made it Absolutely. through a year. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we turn. I was trying to find an analogy where it goes, you know, turning lemons into lemonade, but using wine. And I wasn't clever enough on the fly to think of something. Wine into wine and And yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yes. So you being CEO. Awesome. I mean, there aren't too many women CEOs out in businesses anyways. And then to be a CEO, Vietnamese owned winery, and you really pioneered that you even brought it out of just exporting towards Vietnam and really brought the winery to fruition. Did you always have a feeling that you were going to be in wine and on this path or, or like, where did the journey really start? Talk to me a little bit about your, your upbringing. I was born and raised on Long Island. I don't have the accent, but I can bring it out. And East say, Coast, yeah, okay. I can say coffee and mole like the best <laughs> of them. I went to school at Vassar, which is in upstate New York, and then graduated in 2009. So right when the Great Recession, we were still recovering. And mm -hmm. a lot of my friends went to be doctors and lawyers. And I decided to go to New Zealand because it's easy to get a work and travel visa there. Mm. And was working in a deli and got an email from my cousin who said, hey, do you want to help run a winery? And I was like, okay, because I had no other plans and no idea what I wanted to be. And then I came out here in 2010 and haven't left. And haven't left. No. And so what like initially attracted you? Was it at first always just a job or did you ever actually gain passion and that eventually was like, I'm carving out my space here? I think that I'm super intrinsically motivated and I also like a challenge. And so mm. when I came out here, there was nothing. It was like a building. Now, how do you make it a winery? And mm -hmm. there have been people along the way, of course, like you learn from everyone around you. Right. But it is motivating to try to figure out, like, can I make this a winery? And then now it's, can I make this a brand that people can enjoy being a part of or enjoy our wine. I love that. And what goes on in your brain as you're thinking about those things? Because I'm sitting here and I'm just like, yeah, let me start this. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Like, <laughs> That's not true. You do a lot of things. <laughs> That's not true. It's so much easier to talk about someone else than it is to talk about yourself. Very true. Very true. <laughs> I think... 
you know, like anything, if you're if you're approaching a mountain, you just have to go piece by piece and see what you can do and constantly figure that out. And it's a challenge, you know, starting a brand is a challenge and being in Napa is a challenge and trying to say like, hey, people, we exist, like come visit us, you know, those those conversations where you're like, this is where we are. Um, and how do you resonate with people and, and make them want to be coming back to visit you or be a part of the brand in some way. Yeah, I think a lot of it too always results back in, you know, relationship building and meeting people where they're at. And you have a very personable personality. So I, I, uh, you know, would find it very difficult to believe that that doesn't come with some kind of ease for you. Although, yes, there's always work that's got to be put in. Um, But you talked a little bit, obviously, about the challenges, right? With being a Vietnamese-owned winery in Napa Valley, where so many people are focused on like this European-style wine and stuff, how do you get people to open their minds up? That's a really good question. And I think that's the challenge that we face. But I do think like a lot of people are interested in opening their minds up. It's about really communicating with them. And I think even more so now, like millennials are interested in knowing where these brands come from. Like who Mm -hmm. is behind the brand? Like who are the people making the wine? Is it authentic? And is is it true? Like do they have real belief systems that they try to execute and follow? And so... I think that if we continue to just keep our goals in mind and how we develop this business, then it's inevitable that people will respond. 100%. And I love that what came out of your mouth was millennials because they are often left out of the conversation because people are so fixated on the same people that have been buying wines for years and years and years. And it's like, all right, you're going to die off eventually. And then who's going to, I mean, but really, you know, and then who's going to buy your wines? And if you're not looping me in or making me feel like I'm a part of your product or even genuinely have me somewhere near the top of your mind, there's a gap and that's yeah. going to end up hurting the industry. So the fact that, you know, you see that and I mean, I'm not going to guess your age, but I feel like you're a millennial just uh-huh. like I am. Uh-huh. So I feel like we grew up in this environment and we lived it and we breathed it and we see it. And that's why we are able to to have these conversations and why we recognize them as being so important and why we're also able to pinpoint like who historically has been left out of these conversations and what things need to be changed in order to bring them in. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to exclude and say that we're also not open to people of older generations because I've had a lady come in once and she was like, I know I'm not your target market and I know that you're probably going for millennials, but like, I love what you're doing. Like we don't call our wine club a club because the idea is is exclusivity. It's, Mm -hmm. It's a community and she sees all that and I was like no let me make sure you understand like you're who we also want here Mm -hmm. it's not just like you have to be this age and younger to participate so I just want to make sure that no one thinks ah that's only for the young folks no 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 (laughs) definitely and I'm and I definitely know what I meant and I'm sorry if that's how it came across um I just love that you know that was one of the first things that you mentioned because so often like we we are left out you know but exactly you are trying to build a brand and you are building a brand that's reflective of every Everybody, everybody yeah. has a seat at the table. And I think that's something very unique to you, something that we don't see a lot of other wineries historically focusing in on. And now there's starting to be the shift in the industry and this mindset, you know, having conversations around how do we bring in more diversity? How do we make ourselves more inclusive? Can you talk to me a little bit more about what you currently think the challenges are for the industry and maybe solutions that you've all personally found? That's a good question. I think the challenges, obviously, with price point, 
I've had people, not just millennials, but older people tell me that they've been priced out of Napa Valley. Like that's pretty sad, right? Like you've been coming here for 25 years and then you can no longer visit because you can't afford to go wine tasting. And they're shifting to other things like beer tasting, which is starting to pop up more and more here, right? Right. We're pricing our wine so that more people can afford to enter Mm. and also stick with us and grow as their palates change Mm -hmm. if that's what they want. I also think just creating a place where people can ask questions Mm. and also see themselves in the tasting room. Like I'm trying to hire with diversity in mind and trying to really make sure that we're representing like a population as opposed to what everyone expects. And to do that, it's like putting up jobs that aren't that we have open, not just on like wine jobs, but like ZipRecruiter and other websites and other places that hopefully more people can see as opposed to just who's already in the wine industry. Right. Because the beautiful thing about wine is anybody can learn about wine. It's, you know, are you responsible? Are you this? Are you that? Do you have passion? And if you can bring other factors to the Mm -hmm. table, you just have to be curious enough to learn about wine. And, and I mean, wine, there's, it's like this never ending world. There's never going to be a moment where you're like, all right, I've learned everything I need to know about wine. And that's kind of the nice part. You know, you always have something new to share and something new to learn. Yeah. And I think if you're interested in working in the tasting room too, like you also get the socializing, you learn from other people, not just like about the wine itself, but what other people are doing and how they think and things like that. So that's positive too. I love that. I, I keep hearing this reoccurring theme of, of community. So I guess like what does community and wine look like to you? Well, I think the community concept is really a way for us to share our Vietnamese heritage. It's a lot about a community and culture there, a lot about family around the dinner table. That's why food's a really big, important part mm-hmm. of our, our, our journey and our brand. I think that community and wine is just a way to find common ground with other people that might be completely different from you. But if you both like this bottle of wine or drinking wine, like you already started building a community. You've already found some thread of common ground. Mm -hmm. Some similarities. Absolutely. And you're actually working with uh, Sushi Monkey Mm -hmm. uh, and they're assisting you all in really uplifting the wines that you're drinking that guests are enjoying with Asian inspired cuisine, which all too often we hear outsiders saying, you can't pair wine with cultural foods and that's just not the case. Yeah, I think that is part of our mission at this point. With our winemaker, Timothy Milos, one of our first conversations was I wanted to have wines that could pair with Vietnamese food and Asian food. Not just being Asian, but also food that uses spice, that opens up all equatorial food, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the Fifth Moon brand came from. Because now we can be authentic, right? Because you can't, like I've been to Vietnam and they give you a glass of Cabernet and they'll like put an ice cube in it because it's hot there, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. they don't really want to have Cabernet. I mean, they might because of the concept of Cab. They don't want to drink hot, no, hot. No, but they don't know. really. You know, it's like 100 <laughs> degrees. You don't want Cab, right? Like they really. Give me was, some rosé instead, yeah, please. <laughs> exactly. And so it was really like thinking about which wines we can make that can pair with fresh and spicy food that can bring people in who don't eat Eurocentric food every day. Like not everyone's a steak and potatoes kind of person. 100%. So what can they be drinking with their dinner table? 
and Sushi Monkey, or Max, Chef Max, um, he's helped us develop a food pairing plate that goes well with our Fifth Moon wines and really showcases the pairing potential. So we have a couple varieties like Gruner, Vetliner, and Malvasia mm, Bianca that, yum. that some people have never had before, right? And so when I was pouring in the tasting room, I'd be like, okay, now imagine you were having sushi. But it's much better if it's like you're having something with wasabi slaw because you can kind of get the flavor profile Ooh. and then see how it blends together. So yeah. it's a, like a more tangible experience where people can actually see how these wines pair. Yeah, and how it all comes together too uh, in one and, and is very symbiotic with one another. Yeah. And I love that because aside from highlighting your own Vietnamese culture through RD Winery, you're also simultaneously exposing people to grape varietals, which you just mentioned a couple of them, that sometimes people don't even know. Um, and, and I'll be the first to admit, like growing up here in Napa Valley, all I thought and ever knew about was Napa wine. You know, your cabs, your Merlots, your Chardonnays, and your Sauvignon Blancs. And then I start hearing uh, all these other terms, and I'm like, is that a grape? It's like, no, Gabby, that's a region. Where is that region? Yeah. It's like, oh, is that a region? No, Gabby, that's a grape. <laughs> Where did this grape come from? Yeah. And unless you're exposing yourself to those things, you kind of remain in this bubble. So in another way, it's really beautiful that you're not only amplifying your own culture through RD Winery, you're exposing people and, and having them engage in conversation conversations much larger and, and a whole lot more global. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I would also say that those conversations of like, is that a grape? Is that a region? Like I still have those. But fortunately, I have <laughs> an amazing winemaker team like Tim and Connor that kind of guide me and say like, this is this is a great vineyard. This is a great wine. We can have this wine with pad thai or curry or whatever. And so, I mean, like you said earlier, it's a constant learning in the wine industry. You're always trying to figure something out and see where it can go and evolve. Yeah. And, and even with something like a grape bridal, you know, uh, again, there's always going to be learning like you just mentioned, but, um, you end up discovering other flavor profiles and, and palettes that you maybe weren't even exposed to before. And to take it back even before that, if we're talking about just making wine approachable to all people, being able to come and taste wine and be exposed to grape bridals that maybe you've never heard about, but doing it in such an open setting where somebody is okay with asking those questions and being vulnerable without feeling stupid for the lack of a better term. Yeah. Like what better environment do you want to be in? Like wine is supposed to be something that we share and we, you know, provide around a big table with whoever you're around. It's yeah. very familiar. There's that community aspect to it again. So why would we not want to really create a space where people can be vulnerable and ask questions and, and engage in this way that we haven't really ever engaged beforehand? Yeah, that's definitely the way we think about it in the tasting room. That's exactly what I want. I want people to feel comfortable, to come as they are, to ask the questions that they've always been wondering about, and to just realize that wine tasting itself is just subjective, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you decide to mm -hmm. pair with that wine, uh, yeah, there's like some theoretical rules, but you don't need to follow any of them. Mm -hmm. You can open up whatever you want and try with whatever you want. Trailblazers, that's what we love, or at least that's what I love. You know, just like finding your, finding your own path. And if it's different from what everyone else is doing, if it's what feels good to you, if it's what tastes good to you, then do more of that and yeah. don't, you know, shy away just because others say, well, that's not how it's supposed to be or, mm -hmm. or whatever that looks like. So for you yourself, being not just a woman CEO, but being an Asian woman CEO, what have you specifically had to navigate, whether it's in the wine industry or just in general challenges, positive moments? What does that experience look like? Because there's so very few women CEOs and so very few women of color <laughs> CEOs. One thing comes to mind is that 
in a negative way is that times there have been several occasions in which I'll have meetings and whomever I'm with, whether it's our uh, winemaker or another man will be next to me mm-hmm. and whoever I'm speaking to will only speak to that that oh man. Oh my gosh. And, and that's happened several times and I always find that kind of situation afterwards and like, that was interesting. I should have said something, but I think in those moments... And I'm going to the next time this happens, right? <laughs> but you know how when you think about it afterwards, you're like, oh, I should have said that. Yeah. Why didn't I stick up for myself? Yeah, but there's a moment when you're like replaying. When you're in the moment, you're thinking like, is this real? Is this happening? Am I here? I'm here, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> They like, see me, right? Yeah, right? Like I'm asking the questions. You're just choosing to answer them to another mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. Um, but those, those instances, I have to say, like seem to be with older other men. So I think, you know, maybe things are changing in, from my perspective, hopefully. And also next time I'll be more prepared. But that, that seems to be the center of it, of just like people assuming that I am not the person making the decisions and that I don't have any power and that, you know, I'm young too. That, mm-hmm. that works against me. I keep saying that if I get white hair, I'm going to let it go <laughs> because then people might see things differently. I was like, maybe I should bleach it and put white hair in. Like, oh my gosh. I thought about all these things. No, no, no. We need to show up authentically <laughs> as ourselves because then other people get empowered You're to show right. up authentically as themselves. You're right. And also, I mean, at the end of the day, we, and unfortunately in some ways is that we need more allyship, right? 100%. We need the man next to us to be like, Hey, she's actually the one making the decision. Hey, like, don't talk to me, talk to her. And I think we'll get there. It's just, you know, that's, yeah. the, that's the challenge. 100%. Do you have that support in some of those instances where things like that have gone down, where someone's like, hold on, why are you talking to me? Like, no, no, no. Like, this is the boss lady right here. I've had, I've had that support. Um, I've experienced it. And, and also, like, I think it's also in that moment for that person. It's like, wait a minute, what is actually happening mm-hmm. too? Like they're thinking. And so it's like, we all have to be just more aware and cognizant that this does happen and that the right thing to do in that moment is to be the ally, to say something like, hey, that's Speak not up. me, you know? And that's, and I think that's a challenge all in all, right? For all diversity issues. All and facets. All of it. Yeah. yeah. There's so many different intersections that so many of us exist in, you know, women, women of color, yeah. women of color who might not be able-bodied, like there's constantly going to be all of these intersecting facets. And so the more we're able to advocate for one another mm-hmm. and show up for one another, then, you know, we start to really change and shift the, the mindset and those conversations and what they look like. Agreed. Yeah. Which is, which is why I, I love this platform. You know, this is what it's all about. Highlight and amplifying incredible badass people of color who are kind of trailblazing these awesome spaces and I mean you are seriously trailblazing something so huge to take a concept like just exporting wine and to decide to move that and transition it into still exporting I'm assuming yes yes but then have a physical space in a wine mecca where again you're going to be met with people who are going to say that's not what this place is for and it's like well for who and who are you referring to and XYZ. I hope you really truly acknowledge and are consistently reminded from the amazing people in your circle about the incredible work that you're doing. Thanks. Oh, you're so (laughs) welcome. And if they don't, I'm here to toot your horn. Yeah, thank you. Um, So in terms of the history of RD Winery, I was reading a little bit online and Dong's venture into wine. Can you share a little bit of that for our listeners who are, are, are tuning in? So Mr. Dom, he came here and he saw how beautiful Napa was and then he wanted to kind of share Napa wine with Vietnamese people. It's uh, typically people in Vietnam drink a lot of beer, so wine was 
a change, would be a change. And he purchased the winery in 2011, and we started producing and exporting. But Mr. Dumb's main job, or not job, I should say, is like his main area is in hospitality. So he has hotels mm. and things like that in Vietnam, and also uh, construction. So what he started in was actually construction, building roads, which in a developing oh, wow. country is a really good business to be in. <laughs> and so that's what he does, like the whole thing, hospitality, infrastructure, building, all of that. Wow. And then just by a simple trip coming out here, fell in love with, fell mm-hmm. in love with wine. I mean, it's kind of hard not to fall in love I mean, with yeah. Wine. Yeah. And it's kind of hard not to like love the beauty of Napa Valley. It's such a different like area than it is in Vietnam. And so it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's just such a different area in general. You know, I constantly talk about, especially growing up here, like it's truly a bubble. And until you pop your bubble and mm-hmm. go outside of this bubble and see, you know, the real world, um, you don't recognize just how special of a gem this place is and how um, unique it is in comparison to the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like obviously Mr. Dong, a lot of the people who have been behind this brand are obviously inspiring so many people outside of them. I'm curious to know what and who specifically inspires and drives you every day. That's actually like a really hard question. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I, I put her on the spot. I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fine. I I don't think there's like a particular person that I can mm. look to and say like they inspire me. I think that there are people in my life, like friends and family, and and people that have characteristics that inspire me. And I think most of all, I'm very intrinsically motivated and like super competitive. I love that. And curious. So I think this whole wine experience for me has just been an adventure. It's been a challenge. It's been a learning experience, constant learning experience, mm-hmm. everyday learning experience. But I I appreciate it. It's it's changing. It's not stagnant. I don't know everything. I have a lot to learn. So. But that's almost a, a beautiful thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because it means that you're also never going to get bored because there's constantly no. something new to learn. <laughs> I don't know. And, and I can't speak for you, but I know for myself, like I have to constantly be engaged. Like my curiosity, if my curiosity isn't being engaged, I'm checking out and yeah. I am not any longer going to be passionate about something. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I won't lie. There are some times where I'm like, you know, it'd be kind of nice if things were like low key for a little bit. But other than that... <laughs> It's uh, interesting, like everything about it. We're small, right? Oh, I should say that. If you see the business, it seems like the winery is really big, but we're actually really small. There's like 10 employees in this big building. And so we all wear a lot of hats. We all do a lot of things. And so we all get to kind of learn a lot at the same time. And and you actually touched up on that earlier because when you were talking about, you know, let's say, for example, someone's coming to work in the tasting room. It's like, yes, you're being exposed to hospitality. But as you start to wear all these different hats and pick different roles, you also kind of get to learn what part of the industry you gravitate more towards, mm-hmm. whether or not you want to be front of house, back of house, administrative work. Like if you want to go straight picking in the fields because harvest and production is totally your jam, yeah. being exposed to wine opens up this whole other world to whoever is is ready to sip from that cup and just see, you know, what direction do I want to take this in? Yeah, absolutely. You actually made me think of one of our employees, Sam. He's working somewhere else at this point, but he was working in our tasting room. And then when we had that shutdown for COVID, I was like, okay, we're going to reinvent your role. And he started like working on the bottling line, like (laughs) writing blogs. I was like, let's come up with different things for you to do. You know? No, absolutely. You constantly, uh, and I don't even want to use this word, but it's the word of 2020 and it's still bleeding into 2021. You have to pivot, right? You have to figure out like what's going to be next. Mm -hmm. What kind of things have you all had to pivot 
and, and kind of rework in the last year and a half? I would say a lot of, a lot of the wine stuff, you know, we, we thought we had this idea that we would open a tasting room and it wouldn't be in a pandemic, right? That Mm -hmm. alone is pivoting. Like the expectation of having guests show up versus realizing that people don't feel comfortable going and now it's changing, Mm -hmm. sort of. I mean, it changed, but like there's still the fear in the back of my head, like we'll be outside again. Um, But there's been a lot of pivoting just in general, how we're changing with what varieties we're going with because we're still new Mm -hmm. in in terms of selling into the public. So while while you weren't able to welcome people in person, how were you able, especially being new to the Valley, how have you been able to still maintain relationships and grow those relationships with people through your brand? We do have Instagram to reach out to people, but people are showing up more in the tasting room now. I think people are more comfortable and then our outdoor space is totally ready for being out there since you could only be out there for a long time. We just communicate like on Instagram and and try to create authentic relationships when people visit and all that. I love that. What's the Instagram name so I can make sure everyone's following right now? Oh, it's at Artie Winery. And it's me behind there. So if you hate anything, you can message and and tell me that. (laughs) So not only is she CEO, she's also Instagram influencer, <laughs> social media marketing contacts, all the things, all the hats. All, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Then people don't know that it's me. <laughs> all I hear is powerhouse woman is the Aww. only thing coming to my mind. Thank you. <laughs> Who would you say has had the biggest impact throughout your life? And whether it's with where you've gotten to where you are today or something that you really value and appreciate from along your journey. I don't know if this is the corny answer, but I, I would just say that my mom is. Uh, she's, That's not corny. Uh, well, I don't know. Moms I mean, are awesome. She is awesome. And she's going to listen to this and laugh. But I, I talk to my mom pretty much daily. And uh, she's the one who tells me, like, you know, no one else can be my Lynn. You have to, like, be yourself and just let people like you or hate you, I suppose, and just go out there and, and kind of own that. So she's the one that's always in my corner. Oh my, I love that. And now I'm also kind of upset that you said that you talk to her every day because my mom <laughs> listens to this and she's going to be like, you see, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but did your mom still live in, in, in the area? Oh my gosh, my mom lives like 45 minutes away from me and I see my mom maybe like once every three weeks. You know, that's a difference though because my mom lives on Long Island. So like that's part of it is like have to talk on the phone. Oh, I don't uh, have to. I love to. So. Uh, right. But if you don't, then you're like, we're really not communicating. Yeah, yet. exactly. We're not even in the close. I can't feel her aura 45 minutes away. <laughs> and moms are important. You know, they're, they're your like number one fans. They're your hype women. And, and yeah. she's right. You know, my, my mom is constantly telling me the same thing in terms of, you know, you, you have to be you. Like there is nobody else that is you. And so again, it goes back to why it's so important to authentically show up as yourself. Yeah. Uh, Cause when you do like other people see that they notice it, they feel the energy and it just encourages them to know that it's a hundred percent okay for them to do the exact same. Absolutely. I think that's also been a challenge. I mean, naturally I'm, I'm an introvert and all of the, are you? Oh God. (laughs) All of the, the outgoing stuff or not that that I'm not outgoing, but like, you know, the more social aspect of things is challenging, but I I have a friend and her name's Ashley. And she told me that I asked her why she wants to be an influencer because she's an influencer on Instagram. And you know, that means taking photos of yourself all the time, all the time or asking people to take photos of you all the time. And (laughs) that seems like the worst thing ever. Right. (laughs) And I've been thinking about the Instagram for the winery because people say like, you have to put your face out there. You have to like 
put yourself out there. So I asked her, she said that she wanted to see, she's an Asian woman, she wanted to see other Asian women with different body types mm. and thought the only way she could do that is if she put herself out there. And I've taken that to heart too. It's like, if I want to see other Asian women or pe women of color in positions of power or in the wine industry, then I need to put myself out there. 100%. Yeah. And that's why it's so important because then you inspire other women who look like you or even other women who don't look like you to be like, wow, she's doing the damn thing. <laughs> And then I can too, right? <laughs> yeah. If that's your jam and that's what you want to do. No, but it is so important to have women in positions of power, women of color in positions of power, and to see ourselves in those women. When we see ourselves in other people or in products, when they include us, yeah. then we feel recognized. We feel seen. And there's nothing that can take away. There's no, there's no greater feeling than feeling seen. Absolutely. And feeling validated. So uh, a, a beautiful thing. And I'm glad that that, you know, that those words that she shared with you kind of stuck with you. Yeah. Are, are there any other like pieces of advice that you've gotten along your journey that have stuck with you and that you either love to share with others as your nuggets of wisdom or that you constantly are, are it's like your mantra? My mantra is just to keep going. I mean, I will walk around my house and be like, okay, keep going. It's okay. You can keep doing this. When you know the, when the to-do list becomes too long, when it becomes too overwhelming, I just think, okay, you know, just keep trying one thing at a time, one step at a time, and then ask for help when you need help from other people, like lean on your, your people and your group to get you through the challenges. Yeah. I mean, I can't, again, I can't imagine how overwhelming that list must be. Like what, where do you get your rest? Or do you prioritize rest? You know, I think the idea of work-life balance is really challenging. And I imagine that someday it would make sense to like really approach work-life balance. <laughs> but I, I think I also thrive. I, I love my job, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And so I enjoy working. And I, I mean, I do get tired, of course, but right. like I, I enjoy learning. I enjoy mm -hmm. working and, and I enjoy seeing the progress. And so that's what I'm pushing for, right? I'm hoping that, you know, I can make RD Winery survive and stand out. Yeah. And it's all for something. Even, yeah. even when we don't know like what we're doing it all for, or you can have an idea, right? But I'm just mm -hmm. speaking generally, even when we don't know what we're doing it all for, as long as you're taking those steps forward, it will eventually lead to something. Yeah. And as, as long as you take the moment to, to like look back and realize how far you've come to. Like so much has changed in the past 10 years that I've been working in this company and, yeah. and so much has really changed in the past year, right? And so mm -hmm. thinking about how it goes forward is, is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. What do some of those changes look like, if you don't mind highlighting them? The winery itself, when we started off, we were just producing and exporting and it was just us. And then we also had a brewery tenant that was there. And now we're building a kind of like a community inside the winery itself. Mm. We like do custom crush. We are working with a bunch of really cool companies. There's like people there doing yeah. different things that are, are interesting. And so just the environment, I think it's positive. Like really like the energy in the building itself is positive. And energy is everything. It really is. <laughs> At least I know when I think about myself, like energy is top. Like that is the number one thing yeah. that I'm, it's like a high that I'm always chasing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What gets you most excited about continuing this journey? I want to see where it goes. You know, you, you put your heart into something and you try really hard and you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. It's possible like it might not work or that we might not survive. But if we do, I mean, I'm 
excited to see what it would be like to have that community of people, how we grow, how we operate and how we, how we keep going. If you could give a piece of advice to anybody entering the wine industry or someone who was trying to figure themselves out or, or feel like they wanted, you know, to find a space where they could belong, what kind of advice would you give them? I would say to not be afraid to try. And I think you keep trying and even if you think that you won't fit in, you give it a shot and then be ready to pivot. I think we've talked about pivoting, <laughs> but, but you know, like don't be afraid, like be yourself, be authentically yourself, show up as yourself. And if, if people appreciate that, like maybe you change some minds or, or maybe you build something new wherever you go, but that's always an opportunity. And if it's not working, try somewhere else. <laughs> that's true because it doesn't mean it's the end all be all. No. I think that's a misconception sometimes, right? Is is we stay in places where we're tolerated and not celebrated. Yeah. And that's something that a really good friend of mine is constantly telling me. She's like, Gabby, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And I'm just like, oh, words of wisdom. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Because I mean, how many of us like settle constantly all the time, whether it's yeah. In our relationships and the work that we do and other things that are, you know, intersecting with our lives. And it just, it can't be like that if you want to live a full life with positive energy. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely true. I think it's easy to settle and it's hard to just go out there and make changes and, and, you know, risk, risk failure. Don't be afraid of it. Just give it a shot. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And I love you. And I love everything that you're doing. <laughs> this is this is so great. This just means I need to go out to RD Winery and do a nice tasting. Everybody else needs to go visit RD Winery. What did you say earlier when you met uh, Will and Jalissa? You're just like, I need you to pull over. Yeah, pull over. <laughs> I mean, I see all the traffic. I want to like stand out there with those like signs, you know, and wear a costume. Add that to her job resume. <laughs> yeah. If, if you drive does. by and you see that, you'll be like, oh, that's my Lynn out there doing that. <laughs> yeah. Pull over. Pull off the highway. We're open late Thursday to Saturday grab a glass of wine, have a snack, hang out. So you do food and wine pairings. So Sushi Monkey is definitely embedded into everything that you do. And Chef is is constantly curating food and wine experiences. Or is that something that only happens once in a while during events? Sushi Monkey's not there all the time. He does show up for events, but we have his food on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, the food pairing. But we also do like a duck confit flatbread that he makes oh and gosh. vegetable spring rolls. And we're planning to expand that menu over time. And so, yeah, there's always something to eat and there's always wine to drink. Always wine to drink. I love that. Before you entered the wine industry, was wine something that was at your table or did you not even have a single, wine wasn't even on your radar? Wine wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't, I mean, before I entered the industry, I was just fresh out of college. It was more like beer was on my radar <laughs> than anything else. Beer and like Jaeger really, with Red Bull. Really, cheap, really <laughs> disgusting beer. So. You're like, I may have slapped the bag maybe yeah. once. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So when, do you still remember like the first time you tried wine? I don't think I recall. I know people have these amazing stories about when they tried wine and I've like thought about it and I've been like, can I recall anything? And I don't have an answer about when I tried wine, but I can say that I've never tried as many wines since I've had Tim and Connor with me and you know I'm still figuring out too like what I enjoy like which wines I like and you know it's a journey yeah what's your favorite right now that you're drinking 
I like our, our wine. I like our oh, Gruner. Obby. I mean, I know it's a cop-out, but like truthfully, no, no, no. I really like our Gruner and I really like our Chenin Blanc. And I really, Ooh, and, Chenin. Yeah, and I had our Chenin Blanc with like fatty rice, like chicken fat rice, mm-hmm. where they use the chicken fat skin from the skin. Anyway. Yeah, that. To with, cook the rice. Yeah, Ugh. so that it's like oilier. Yeah, and, yep. then with and the it has some nice fat to break through that acid. Yeah. Ooh, I can already like imagine it on my taste buds. <laughs> yeah, so that good. was good. That was good. So food and wine pairings are so fun. You know, they say uh, anyone who had parents who said you can't play with food uh, clearly didn't know how much fun you could have when it yeah. came to food and wine pairings. We encourage that, you know, <laughs> play around, see what you like. Yeah, break the rules. We like that. We do. We really do. <laughs> so how do people stay connected? How can they support? How can we make sure that um, we are driving people to the amazing work that is being done at R&D Winery from wine to inclusivity? Come visit us if you're in Napa and, you know, shop our website at rdwinery.com or follow us on Instagram and, you know, stay in touch. Stay in touch. And and you can do all three of those things. You can go visit. You can shop on their webpage. And you can follow them oh, on yeah. their Instagram. Do all three. <laughs> that would be the best option. Triple threat is always the best option. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are literally amazing. I am so glad that I had a chance to sit here with you and to just sit from your cup and learn a little bit about your upbringing, how you got into wine, what you're really creating and pioneering here in Napa Valley and the changes that I'm so stoked for. I mean, you said it yourself, right? Even just RD Winery alone in the last 10 years has totally changed since you came here. And I can only imagine what the entire industry is going to look like in the next 10, especially when it has beautiful people like yourself uh, trailblazing the path. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Salud. Big sip.